no one is more dedicated to anything than horror fans are, except maybe uh, uh, Marvel people. I grew up watching those YouTube videos of the mo- the rarest or the most disturbing horror films. And it's always like lame. It's always no, but lame. Here's the thing. I think these people are disingenuine. And this is why some of them I don't like. There's no... Why are you going to sit there and lie to people's faces? Right? Like, this... Sure, maybe it's not a mainstream movie. Right? That's fine. That, that's, that would be more accurate than saying... Only three people in the world have ever seen Eden Lake. It's like, no, they haven't, bro. Calm down. Stop making it way crazier than it is. I just wish people would calm down. You know, people just need to relax. You know what I think is not disingenuous and what isn't directly lying to people's faces? Ruminations of Red Rum. The horror podcast of the Ruminations Radio Network. Eh, that was That was shaky. You always talk down about your transitions. <laughs> that wasn't, a, that you, wasn't a good you one. You need to just embody, embody it with confidence and just roll with it. If it's shit, shit, you know? Yeah. One of these days, I'm going to have a banger transition. And you know what you else a, is a banger? A, ruminations of Red oh, Rum. The Horror Podcast. Other Ruminations Radio Network. Woo! Holy shit. Uh... You don't, you don't even know what to do with yourself right now. I don't. I don't. That was a good one. Uh, uh, what's up, friends? Uh, uh, it's me, Brendan, Mr. Fantastic, uh, hosting today's episode. Um, with us, as always, is the Spooky Boy, which uh, I, I had a better name, but I forgot it. God damn it. Um, the paranormal one. Crispy comer. The crispy comer. I don't like it. Uh, it's Ian with two E's. How you doing, Ian? I'm doing good. Haunting people around my town. Uh, it's, it's about that time. It's about spooky season. What's the temperature where you guys are at right now? Probably like 150 degrees. I don't know. Oh, damn. See, it is 60 overcast and windy here. <sighs> Right now it is ninety six. Oh yeah, it's only ninety six. Oh. Oh. <laughs> oh, only ninety six. It's true though. It's kind of true. It's gonna hit hundred. Uh, not breaking hundred, so we're good, right? So you doing good, Ian? Yeah, I'm actively melting now. No, oh, okay. I'm but sorry. I, I kind of feel like th- there's this one Juju Ito. Uh, you, well, you've read Uzumaki, right? Yes. You know the Slug Boy story. Uh, vaguely. I kind of feel like that guy. Just always, I'm gonna morph into something more, and I think I think I'm going to eventually turn into a lizard if I keep lizing. If I keep, whoa! If I keep lizing, if I keep lizing here, oh my god, I'm already turning. <laughs> it's already happening. <sighs> and also, with us, he's the man with the plan. He's got charisma oozing out of his ass. <laughs> Secret of the ooze. Kyle's ass. It's the slick black Cadillac. The man that wears a snapback. He writes with a number two pencil and he's number one in all of our hearts. It's Kyle with a K. How you doing, Kyle? I'm doing good. I lizithed out a long time ago. I've been lizithed for a while, bro. So welcome to the party, Ian. I'm doing is, good, Brendan. How are you? Is is being lizzed, uh, or lizith, as you said, is that what it's called when a uh, Lizzo fat shames you and then uh, forces you to drink a bunch before a performance? Correct. That's what they call it. Nice. Um, I'm good. Also, Russell Brand just got taken down. Finally, fuck that dude. Russell Brand, the British dude. Yeah. Finally, multiple, multiple corroborated uh, rape and sexual assault. Uh, oh, I don't like him already. I don't I know. Thought you were taking that. a selfie. You know who he is. He was big in like. Uh, he's in um, 2009. Uh, forgetting. Oh, yeah, uh, he's in a uh, forgetting oh, Sarah Marshall. Get him. Get him to the Greek. Get him to Greek. Oh wait, the like the like the guy the. The, yeah, you mean the guy named Russell Brand? The guy, that's the, him. Like, like the guy in Forgetting Star Marshall that the girl gets with. Yeah, the him. British dude. Mm-hmm. Oh wow, he's a piece of shit. Yeah. Oh wow. Well, he kind of turned into a piece of shit about like four years ago when he deemed himself um, an enemy of mainstream news culture. 
Um, yeah, he started making a lot of like videos and shit yeah. around that time, so I know what you're talking about. But that's yeah. th- that's insane. I didn't know he was like that that guy. He's that but guy. He's that guy. I feel like we're uh, discovering a lot of people that become that guy like more often lately. Or am I wrong? Like I feel like more people are just kind of being exposed for some pretty crazy shit. Like the guy from that 70s show. Yeah. He, his trial's been going on for a long time, but now he finally got convicted, I think, for like 30 years. And then, then there was that whole... Didn't he kill a person? No. No, he did a lot of like rape back and in the early shit. 2000s. Yeah. And then there Jack was the, uh, the, those two letters that came from Ashton Kutcher and Mila Kunis. I don't know if you heard about those. Yeah, I heard kind of like stick in there champ kind of thing like yeah like yeah yeah, yeah. Like there for him well i mean mm-hmm. i didn't read the letters i don't know was, what they said but, but he was their friend for like so long i, I can't imagine they would yeah, think when he would do you, such a thing when ian ian when, ian, though, ian, when right? it comes out that you have 45 fucking bodies behind that goddamn door right there <laughs> i'm not writing a note to the judge i'm sorry yeah. Well, you're going I'm to sorry. be writing it to me saying, hey, Ian, hang in no, there. No, they, hey, no, hey, no, they were, <laughs> the, note, the notes that they wrote were character uh, witness, or they were character uh, notes to the judge. So oh. it was them writing to the judge, he's actually a really good guy and stuff. And then they got submitted into the record. Um, mm-hmm. Sorry. They got uh, submitted into the record and then the media got them. Um, well, that's a little different. Yeah, they ignorant. They ignorant. Um, let's talk about something else. Uh, Ian, what have you been up to recently? I feel like uh, you've been kind of uh, quiet on the LB. Um. Oh, I watched the menu. Maybe he's like the only one that posts stuff on the LB. I don't <laughs> I, know. What I, know. I know. <laughs> you watch. You watch the menu. How was the it? menu? I liked the menu. It. A lot. Yeah, I liked it a lot. It was great. I'm actually kind of surprised. It you gave it a four. Yeah. It didn't seem like a four for me. No, I didn't even want to see it. I thought it was. I thought I watched the trailer uh, when it was first uh, released, and I was like, "This movie looks so fucking stupid, bro." Um, but some kind of desire in me was like, "You know what? I want to watch a newer horror film." Popped it on. I liked it quite a bit. I still am not a fan of that actress that Brendan likes. What's her name? You mean that pretty much the entire world likes Anya Taylor Joy? Anya Taylor Joy, not a huge fan of her like you are. Like, which interpretation of Hulk is your favorite Hulk? How the fuck did we get to this from the menu? Oh my god! Uh, <laughs> who's my Hulk? Uh, Eric Bana. I fucking <laughs> called it, bro. I fucking called only it. because I don't know. I know there's other Hulks, and that's the only one that I could think of. I don't think I've ever watched. Wait, no, I watched the Ang Lee Hulk movie where it was like the comic book one. The Ang yeah. Lee one is the Eric Banner one. Yeah. Oh, yeah, okay. That's my Hulk. Mm-hmm. Nice. What, what did you guys say? Lou uh, Ferrigno is, <laughs> is, is both of our Hulks. What'd you scoff, Brendan? <laughs> I, uh, my. So, uh, Growing up, we used to go to the Arnold Classic a lot, or I think we went like maybe two or three times because mm-hmm. um, my mom owned a, a gym and was doing gym stuff. Uh, and I was probably seven or eight at the time. And we had that was before I'd ever been to a horror convention. So I didn't really understand that famous people charge you for autographs. Um, so, uh, my uh, Mark, my stepdad, took me and my brother to the Lou Ferrigno booth to get signed pictures from him, but uh, he was charging twenty dollars. And now I get that you know that's just how that that's how it be. Mm-hmm. Uh, he my my dad did not understand that, and he got very pissed at Lou Ferrigno. Um, and uh, that's that. I don't know where I was going Damn. with that. So you didn't get the autograph? Or no, you did not. $20 is nothing, too, from him. And that, that would have been uh, 2003 or four. So, I mean, Ooh. 20 bucks back then was, you know... it. When I went to a horror con... $6 and, now. When, when I went to uh, Monster Mania Con, I got, like, uh, um, I don't know. <laughs> 
I'm sorry. This this the whole no audio thing fucking threw me off. It's fine. It's fine. Uh, my God. Let, okay, uh, let's tr- let, let's transition away from Hulk. Okay. <laughs> uh, Kyle, what have you been up to recently? How you? I asked you how you're doing. Uh, been going on a Marvel marathon. Watched a lot of Hulk recently. <laughs> and <laughs> no, um, uh, nothing much. I. <laughs> I've been uh, starting my spooky season off by playing horror games. Uh, started off with my favorite horror game, uh, Silent Hill 2, and uh, have moved on to Days Gone. But I think I'm actually going to go back to Silent Hill 2. I still got the itch. I want to get all the endings again. And I don't have all the achievements on Xbox. So mm. I think I'm going to try to 100% Silent Hill 2. And that's not an easy feat. It's actually a very hard thing to do. There's like five different endings. There's a bunch of shit you got to do. like. Uh, speed runs, beat the game with only like a limited number of saves, using a certain number of healing items, killing a certain amount of people certain ways. And that game is pretty difficult on the harder difficulties. So um, I've never done it. It's been my favorite game horror-wise for a long time. So I think I'm, I think I'm just going to dig deep into Silent Hill 2 and just like, really just expose it for everything it has. And uh, I'm looking forward to it. But other than that, um, just getting prepared for the vacation. Uh, Ian. Okay. Isn't it crazy how one of the scariest horror video game franchises are like the hardest to play in terms of like getting it readily available? Yeah, it's unfortunate. Blame Konami for that. But do you, well, do you um, think that that makes them a little scarier? Well, I think you're saying two different things, right? I think Ian's talking about like it being readily available to play on modern platforms. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm sorry. When and, you said harder to play, I was thinking like forced perspective, janky controls type of thing. Must gotcha. No, the controls in Silent Hill 2, just I'll, I'll touch on that first real quick. The controls in Silent Hill 2 are actually, they're tanky, but they're, the remaster, the like the the HD collection controls very well. It's it, it's not it's sixty frames a second. It's very smooth and it's very buttery. Um, but yeah, for a game like Silent Hill two to not be on um the majority of modern platforms, like the fact that it's not on Steam or it's not on any PlayStation console since like PS three. Luckily, with Xbox, they're backwards compatible, so you can play the Silent Hill HD collection on my Series X, on my main console, and still get like everything. Um, but yeah, it's it's a shame. It's not. Hopefully, they do like a re-release, like they're doing with the Metal Gear Solid collection, and they release them in like a new modern kind of collection because they need to be played by more people. They're fucking fantastic. I wish I could talk about Silent Hill 2 with more people, but I think it's been so long now, and it's, like you guys said, it's not easily accessible that, like, it's slowly drifting out of people's consciousness. Like, if you didn't grow up with it, like, there's very little people nowadays that you could have, like, a conversation with about Silent Hill 2, which is, like, it should be in more conversations. It should be on social media. It should be in discussions, and it's just not, because the preservation of the game is just terrible. So, you, and you're just referring to only Silent Hill 2? Well, just the original trilogy in general, or like the first four games. Like, oh, okay. So like yeah, the like, first one's even hard to get now? Yeah. yeah. The first oh, one's on no, PlayStation 1. It's, it's only on PS1. It's not on any collection. It's wow. not like, if you don't have a PS1 or a PS2, you can't play the game. Do you think from the uh, the kind of renaissance that resident evil has started um with their remasterings and stuff do you think that there might be one in the pipeline for silent hill i mean they're already remaking silent hill 2 now so um okay and i mean they're remaking two over the first one yeah yeah two two is is the beloved is 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 the baby you know it's it's everyone's not everyone's but it's like the majority of everyone's favorite um and they're all kind of con- singular contained stories in a sense. So Oh, gotcha. Okay. You, you can kind of jump in in any Silent Hill and still have a good experience. Okay. It's just if you do play them chronologically, there is a kind of wider narrative that you can piece things together and it kind of 
has a lot of callbacks to certain things, but it's not like required. But Silent Hill 2 is very special. I could see why they're remaking it. I'm just the more I play the original from Team Japan, I'm just the the more I'm concerned about the remake and who they're giving it to. And I just don't I, I don't think they're gonna be able to execute the the vibe that the original Japanese team did. Like I just it's so unique. Silent Hill 2 is so, I think that's what makes it so beloved is it's it's not like anything you've probably ever played. Like it's it's very of its time. It's very early 2000s. It's very early 2000s J- Japanese horror specifically. It's it's very interesting. It's a very good game. Sorry. I like that's the it. sound of it. Sorry. Uh I have been playing a lot of Saints Row 2022 uh, cuz it's the free one of the free games of the month on PlayStation this month. I I didn't grow up playing the franchise. I think at some point in high school I did play Saints Row 3. I want to say with my brother Zach, we played it on like a summer day, something just for I don't I don't think we ever finished it. Um I really like Saints Row. The story's terrible. The story's fucking awful. The characters all suck. Um but the gameplay is that Grand Theft Auto gameplay with I mean obviously but I just really like the Saints Row edge to it because it's a it's a bit uh a bit more comedic I think there's a a lot more open world events uh, for instance every like every few minutes you'll if you're driving your car, you'll come across a, a police car that has another car pulled over, or you'll come across an accident and there's like two EMS on scene or something. And I just really like the small intricacies of the world of Saints Row. Um, but yeah, it's goofy as fuck. I don't know if you guys have ever played any of the Saints Row games. I remember when people were picking Saints Row over GTA. See, that's just insane. It's not, not really. Uh, Saints Row 3 was fantastic over GTA 4 at the time. Um, and I. Oh, I thought you meant as a franchise as a whole. Oh, I mean, that too, I, I, I think, because it, it was just a better game. I don't know. It was, it was more fun. The graphics were better. Uh, GTA 4, like, you do have some iconic characters like Nico, but uh, I don't know. It's just it's such a better experience um, uh, versus GTA 3 or Saints Row 3. Yeah, I remember when uh, Silent I remember when Saints Row <laughs> 1 and 2 came out and they really tried to position themselves as like the Grand Theft Auto killer and they tried to replicate those games so hard and it didn't stick with most people until the third game and I think that's when they kind of cut away and they were like look, we're not going to beat these guys as far as like, like we can't play the same game as them. So we're going to make it goofy. We're going to make them mm-hmm. superheroes. We're going to make like a crazy Fast and Furious action kind of like game style. And it blew up. Saints Row 3 is where it blew up. And uh, I never played 3 and on. I only played the first two a little bit. I didn't even beat them, but uh, they were never really my thing. And then by the time 3 came out, I was already kind of like, over it like i was like eh, the third installment now and i never really got in the first two so i never really cared but um yeah no the, there was a minute there during the saints row three era that it was like huge like i would it wasn't as big as grand theft auto but it was arguably like up there with it was trying to fight the fight for sure but yeah i'm liking it i'm probably gonna platinum it i feel like it's a uh i think uh PSN trophies has it as like a two or three out of 10 for difficulty, but it's just, uh, it says it's a 40 hour, 40 hour platinum. Um, and I, I can see that cause there's a lot of very tedious going back and forth things. Um, and there's not really that many fast travel hubs, um, that are, that are throughout the city. So it's definitely going to take a while, but I'm liking it. Nice. Um, and I, uh, real quick, um, for Fantastic Fest, I saw a crazy short film called Fishmonger, which is a, uh, black and white, uh, lighthouse 
the lighthouse style short film that kind of feels like uh peewee's big adventure about this dude whose mom is dying and there's a curse on the island where if a mother dies and her son is unwed she burns in hell um so as she's going through her final days on earth she starts getting all these like uh pustules and boils and stuff and he has to basically go make a uh, sacrifice to a mermaid to get a wife and it is so gooey and there's so many fucking disgusting sounds and uh kyle you'll like this um psycho pete from always sunny Mm. is the lead in it psycho pete psycho pete we got the psycho back (laughs) um it's it's really fun so I just wanted to give that a little shout because it's very uh, inventive um, and stuff. But, nice. but we're not talking about the Hulk. We're not talking about... Uh, we could talk about the Hulk. I could tell you all about <laughs> Eric Bana. Um, <laughs> we're not talking about Silent Hill. And we're not talking about fishes and their mongs, mongers. Um, today, we are talking about 2007's Halloween, written and directed by robert zombie um now now before uh i jump into the fear facts just want to know um ian kyle have you guys seen this film before kyle did you see it in theaters i know i did hashtag salt in theaters there we go i saw it i think last year maybe the year before for the first time fair enough uh, like I said up front, this Fear Facts is a little bit longer, and I do apologize about that, but there is a crazy story um, that is uh, part of it. So uh, without further ado, let's get into the <laughs> Following the success from his first two feature films, Rob Zombie's third film would tackle one of horror's biggest franchises, Halloween. With excitement in his eyes, he was given one piece of advice from John Carpenter to make the film his own. Unfortunately for Rob Zombie, the Weinsteins would also take that advice to heart. With the fear of competing with Saw 4, which was at the height of Saw's October takeover, Halloween would have its release pushed up two months to August 31st, 2007. While it did receive mixed reviews, Halloween would make $80.4 million worldwide against its $15 million budget, which was to date Zombie's largest budget. And a prequel, a sequel would suit me greenlit. But the story of how this film came to be is quite fascinating and it's very intricate. So, what I'm about to read to you was not written by me. Rather, this has been sourced from a few different sources and put together into a semi coherent paragraph. So, here we go. After the release of Halloween Resurrection, there were various ideas on how to proceed with a ninth installment. After the release of Freddy vs. Jason in 2003, Dimension Films attempted to produce a crossover with Hell with the Hellraiser franchise featuring Pinhead and the Cenobites. One of the pitches involved a young Michael Myers opening the Lament configuration and being possessed with Sam Hain for, uh, fleeing from Hell, uh, providing the source of his murderousness and invincibility. The remainder of the film would have involved the Cenobites pursuing him. An earlier pitch from the 90s from the Hills Run Red filmmaker David Parker. Yeah, right? Uh, Oh, there's another big name coming up here too, Kyle, that you'll like. Um, uh, Sorry, where was I? Um, As they believe... uh, Dimension... uh, David Parker was rejected by Dimension as they believed Freddy vs. Jason uh, would bomb at the box office. According to Doug Bradley, Clive Barker agreed to write the script while John Carpenter was considered to direct. direct. Bradley said that Barker, quote, wasn't interested in a -a mono-a-mono confrontation. He was interested in finding the places where Hellraiser and Halloween would uh, might have crossed over. Um, And with that, he envisioned Michael Myers as, quote, a sadomasochistic sexual pervert and serial killer, which would have thought to pique Pinhead's interest. The project was ultimately canceled after 52% of respondents to an online poll disapproved of the project, and uh, Mustafa Akkad was not interested. Akkad continued uh, to try to develop a sequel. Josh Stolberg. Yeah, yeah, see, so many cool names with this. Um, uh also unsuccessfully proposed a Hellraiser crossover with uh, with Bobby Florsheim, 
pitching Halloween Bad Blood, which would have brought back Jamie Lloyd. <clears throat> a 2004 script from screenwriting duo Jim Keeble and Duty Appleton titled Halloween Retribution would have begun with Michael Myers killing Busta Rhymes character Freddie Harris and involved Laurie Strode's son John Tate and Sheriff Lee Brackett plotting to kill Michael Myers in revenge for her death in the previous film. The film would have ended with Tate drowning Michael in a frozen lake, but implying that he would take his place as a murderous killer. In 2004, a script for, from Mirrors 2 uh, writer Matt Veen entitled Halloween Asylum had Michael Myers breaking free from death row. Another per perspective screenplay written by Jake Wade Wall was Halloween The Missing Years, which, had a, which would have been a prequel centered around Michael Myers returning to Smith's Grove Sanitarium in the early 1980s during the events of Halloween 3 Season of the Witch with flashbacks. Uh, revealing details about his childhood at the asylum after murdering his sister in the 60s. At the same time, Mustafa Akkad and his son Malik, Malik uh, was one of the producers of Rob Zombie's Halloween, um, were working on a story revolving around Dr. Wynn from Halloween Curse of Michael Myers. Development on a direct sequel suddenly halted when Mustafa Akkad was killed in a 2005 Armenian hotel bombing while attending a wedding in Jordan, and his son decided to take the series in a different direction. How fucking crazy is that? It's pretty wild. Not gonna lie. It's pretty um, wild. Okay, uh, this is the very this is the very end of going back to what I wrote. Um, after Dimension Films announced that Rob Zombie would be remaking Halloween, as I said, Rob Zombie reached out to Carpenter as he felt it was his duty to have a conversation with John Carpenter. Uh, that's when Carpenter gave Zombie his one piece of advice. Uh, filmmaking would commence, but the wine scenes would continually stir up production, which would lead Rob Zombie to say Halloween was one of, quote, his most miserable experiences in filmmaking of all time. Uh, Zombie would bring horror icons and his usual gang of cast members um, out for his gory new take on Michael Myers with stars like Danny Trejo, Brad Dourif, Bill Mosley, Ken Forhey, William Forsyth, Udo Kier, Clint Howard, Lou Temple, Tom Tolles, Leslie Estabrook, Daniel Harris, Dee Wallace, Sybil Danning, Dan Roebuck, and none other than Sid fucking Haig. It's finally time for us to cover a Halloween movie. Let's get into it. Did we cover Halloween Ends? No. Okay, no, I would I love. We just went on like a twenty-minute tangent. Yes, when it came out, I would like to cover. No, we covered Halloween. No, we did. did. Do we have an episode on Halloween ends? I don't even know. Oh my god! <laughs> I don't even know. I think we do. Honestly, <laughs> I think we do have a Halloween yeah. episode. Yeah, Halloween ends. I think we have a Halloween yeah, episode. Okay, I remember yeah. talking so, about it because yeah. I watched yeah, it. <laughs> Yeah. So as we cover our second Halloween film, let's get into it. Uh, um, Ian, we'll start with you. Um, how'd you watch it? Where'd you watch it? Would you add it to your collection? What are your uh, first thoughts? So I actually have this wonderful 10-pack uh, Blu-ray set from Scream Factory. Um, you have that? Oh. That thing's worth like $250. No, you're not talking about the big box. Are you talking about right? the big box? No, it's just. Uh, oh, okay, okay, okay. Gotcha. I think that the big box you're Blu thinking about is the Friday the Thirteenth. No, no, no. There's a Halloween one, and it's oh, going for like two hundred and fifty bucks. Oh dang! And it has all of them, including the Rob Zombie ones in it. I think it has all of them in like four K in the individual things, right? No, there's a Blu-ray one. Oh, yeah. Well, this is uh, the one that I have, and uh, if you ever go to Zia. It's on the top shelf in the Blu-ray section because it's been there forever. It won't sell because it's $250, <laughs> but it's there and it has... Oh, you know what? I've seen it. Yeah. I've seen it. I don't yeah. think it has all 10 of them, though. It does. I'm, I'm, I'm like almost 100% sure. Either way, I know it has the Rob Zombie ones. All right. Well, this is how I watched all of the Halloween films. That is also um, a very cool pack, though. Yes. It's even like kind of weathered. Mm -hmm. Like it was intended. I like that pack. It's cool. Um, this movie is definitely just a Rob Zombie version of uh, Halloween. I think that's uh, I think that's what we can call it. I think that's what it is. I think that's what it was intended to be. And um, it's 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 not as terrible as people say it is. I think. Uh, I am a big fan of prequels, um, movies like Ringu Zero, um, Prometheus, Alien Covenant, 
love those prequels. Um, Are you considering this a prequel? No, but I'm considering oh, okay. the like 35 minutes uh, <laughs> opening <laughs> opening uh, a prequel for sure. Um, this movie is too long. I think that's really the biggest problem for me. The final, uh, the finale should have been like 10 to 15 minutes shorter. There was no reason to drag it out that long. It didn't do anything for the story. It didn't do anything for the characters. It was just more run and chase or, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it, it didn't do anything at all. And, uh, same with the prequel part. Cause, it's good. I actually like all of the prequel, but um, it just made me think by the end of it. I'm like, damn, this has been going on for 35 minutes, and then we have to start the actual movie? That's insane. Um, so just the timing of things, I think this movie just wasn't... I think it just needs more editing. Um, but yeah, those uh, those are my thoughts. I love Daniel Harris in this. Um, I wish he had a more heroic role. Um, but that's just my opinion. Kyle. Let me try to put it in the words best I can. Um, when I first saw this movie, uh, I liked it. Um, when I saw it now, I loved it. Um, I think this movie is probably one of the better remakes of this decade. And, I am a huge fan of the original John Carpenter film. Uh, it's one of my favorite movies of all time. I think it's one of the best horror movies ever made. Uh, and I think that this film takes a lot of liberties in making it more grounded. And by doing that, I think it makes it very interesting that it's not supernatural. It's actually a serial killer. Um, you see the early stages of a broken home and um, how it could shape a young mind into doing terrible things. Um, and that in itself is very realistic and very grounded and something that happens every day in the world. And, um, in that sense, <clears throat> this film was a lot more <clears throat> realistic than I remember it being. I re remember it being very over the top, and in a lot of ways it is, but I think that uh, I really respect the route they took with the prequel stuff, quote-unquote prequel stuff. I actually quite enjoyed that, and I think that um, it humanized Michael Myers in a lot of ways, and it humanized the character and that's what separated it from John Carpenter's version, where uh, there was a lot of subtlety in the character. There was a lot of subtlety in the shots and a lot of subtlety in the scares. And in this, they kind of threw the subtlety away and explained a lot and gave a lot more background to the lore that didn't exist prior. Um, and I really like this version for doing that. And I really think that it, Instead of it being just a remake, it's almost... Th this is one of the remakes where it actually makes it its own thing. Like, it's its own vision of Halloween. And I think that's really, really cool. I do like Rob Zombie's films and his directing style. I've always been a fan of him. I'm not really a fan of his crude humor and stuff. Uh, and how, like, over-sexualized everything has to be. And every time he could fix fit in like a sexual innuendo he does like i'm not really into that shit you could tell that rob zombie has like a very crude sense of humor um i don't really vibe with that part but everything else is pretty spot on and uh yeah i think this is this is better than i remember it being for sure Where'd you, uh, where'd you watch it? Oh, um, last night I actually stopped at Zia Records and I bought a collector's edition steelbook of uh, the movie that they had used. So I found that. It was, it was both of them, right? Or just? No, it's just the first one. Oh, okay. That's really cool artwork on the back, though. And uh, I'm a sucker for steelbooks. I was just planning on going there to buy the uh, like Blu-ray because they've had it there for a while. 
And then the one time I went, they had a fucking new steelbook there. And I was like, fucking A. <laughs> so I uh, I snagged that shit. Nice. Um, I have the, the DVDs of Halloween and Halloween 2. So that's where I watched it. I I I I love Rob Zombie. I think he's great. Um I I think it's very clear to see that this being his first I, I don't want to say his first studio film because I kind of feel like The Devil's Rejects. But I, I feel like he still had more creative control over The Devil's Rejects. Um you could tell that he had not a hell of a lot of creative control here. I, I think you can see it a few times. Uh, when after uh, boy Michael gets arrested and um, the all the police are standing there frozen, kind of like a photograph, but the police lights are still bouncing off everyone and the camera slowly pans over to Michael in the car and then he breaks the fourth wall, looks directly at the camera. Um, a few other times where we get like the home video of Michael, um, a few times where it goes into black and white, you know, the stuff that that makes a Rob Zombie movie a Rob Zombie movie. Um, I, I, you can tell that there was a lot of studio interference, and I almost feel as if if he was given full creative control, we would have gotten something a lot different. Uh, with that, I, I, I really do like this movie. This isn't one of the nostalgic movies for me, like The, the Hills Have Eyes or... Um, Shit, what did we cover right before that? Um, Just any of the 2000s, like Hills Have Eyes, uh, House yeah, of Wax. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but I, I do, I, I distinctly remember seeing this film uh, in theaters with a uh, 32-year-old man. Um, and <laughs> <laughs> it, it was you, you time-traveled. Um, but yeah, I... I I like this movie and there are some issues with it, but Kyle, I, I think you, you said it best. And that kind of goes into one of the questions that I, I was gonna bring up. So I, I think we could just talk about it briefly real quick. And Oh, Ian, who was the 32 year old man? Oh, uh, he was a trainer at the gym that my mom owned. Okay. Every, every Wednesday after he was done teaching, we'd go to Subway and then we'd go to Walmart and buy a movie and then go watch it. Gotcha. But every, every once in a while, we would go see a movie in theaters. It wasn't, I realized that I sounded needed a lot, that back that, that sounded a lot creepier. <laughs> such a cliffhanger. I remember um, watching this with a 23-year-old dude. When I was 14. Um, so uh, we've at this point watched quite a few remakes and, and quite a few um, in a, in a very recent time. And I've always thought that what makes a remake good is finding what fans love about that intellectual property and can, and bringing it to the screen, but also finding a way to make it your own and still tell your own story with your own visual style. Uh, Kyle, we kind of, got your thoughts on that a little bit um ian as as a remake how do you think this film kind of pans out um i don't know i, I consider it more of a reimagining just because it's so it's it's pretty far from the source material um it's more violent there's too much nudity in it um which makes me feel like an old person when i'm saying that but i <laughs> I don't know. There's for me, there's just way too much nudity in this. Um, and I, I did watch the unrated version and that might've made this a little longer, but, um, the crude humor, like Kyle said, for sure, you can tell his style, the whole style of the, um, the beginning arc, like him going back to 10 year old, uh, Michael, that's super, super, uh, Rob zombie. Like, I feel like he had full control of that whole first scene in the kitchen. I'm all broken up here, bitch. (laughs) William, William Forsyth is, uh, he's a tremendous actor. Uh, He's great in every Rob Zombie thing. He's great in everything else he does. Uh, 
what did you guys think of not only just his character but his his lines his constant um his constant just barrage of hate and insults towards everyone i thought it was pretty funny um it wasn't overly obnoxious uh but i knew it was a rob zombie film and i knew he was gonna have that kind of like hillbilly talk i guess um so um he was uh he was pretty entertaining he's a piece of shit but i mean he dude he he came off as really realistic to me is that weird like I, I I could see somebody in a broken Dad? home, like with somebody like that shaping a piece of shit. Like it, it's no wonder that people grow up to kill people when they're raised by people like that guy, right? Yeah. Like he's just such a fucking dirtbag. But um I like how he was passed out on the couch and Michael Myers was able to tape up his entire body without him waking <laughs> up. <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny. But uh yeah, fuck that guy. Uh there there's a lot of really great lines and and i think one of the thing that rob zombie does best is while he might not always write the best scripts he's very good at writing very specific lines i think and one of i don't know if you guys have a favorite quote from this film but when uh the principal brings in sherry moon zombie after the the bathroom altercation uh the principal's like and also, we found this in his book bag. And he pulls out a dead cat. And she goes, big deal. He found a dead cat. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> she is so oblivious. That's happening. Um, do you guys have a favorite line? I didn't write any down. So I, I didn't come prepared with one, unfortunately. But there's a bunch. Right? Um, when he's on the couch and they're getting ready to go out trick-or-treating, uh, the dude he's like ah oh, fuck forgot what he says something like bitch don't think i'm not making a mental note of all the, the oh, shit you're throwing at me <laughs> that was that was a good uh, hellbilly to the extreme uh so um actually kind of going off of that the the principal office scene that is the moment i'm not sure exactly what it is but that's the moment that flips the switch for michael he um he leaves the high school he stalks his bully um and then he absolutely just ends his life with um that that big stick and then that's where we get the michael myers theme song so my question for you gentlemen uh it's kind of twofold um one how do you feel that the title uh, that that the theme song did not accompany the Halloween title like the like the franchise has been one to do. Um, and a kind of follow-up question to that, with Rob Zombie being one of Rock's biggest icons, um, he's undoubtedly one of the biggest rock stars that I think we've had. Um, I was kind of hoping that it would start with the Michael, the John Carpenter theme song. And then after he killed the bully, that's when it fucking transitions into the Rob Zombie Halloween theme song with some banger opening credits. Um, so I, I guess the second part isn't really a question, but more my thoughts. So how do you guys feel about him only using the John Carpenter theme and not giving us that, that, uh, the Halloween title cards until the very end? It is a little strange. Um, but John Carpenter also, I, I don't know. Yeah, I guess it is strange because John Carpenter said, told him to, to make it his own. Mm -hmm. Um, so I don't think he was obligated to take anything from the Halloween franchise. Um, but he did. So it's, it was a, I, and I think that was the influence of, uh, the Weinsteins in my opinion. Probably, probably more fan service mm -hmm. for halloween than fan service for rob zombie yeah yeah because arguably like the last two like resurrection and the the two after h2o nobody gave a fuck about right so this was really the first real halloween since h2o mm -hmm. and it was kind of like i don't know i think they made the smart move by keeping the original but also at the same time I thought the implementation of putting it during his first kill was a was cool, was fitting. I'm more bothered by the first appearance of the mask and when he puts it on. It's so 
swept under the rug and like kind of like <laughs> it passes by so uneventfully that like I don't know. I was I was more bummed about that. Like he puts he put like I like I would have loved to hear the music when he's putting it on and it's epic. They mm-hmm. do that when he finds it later after he comes back yeah. to his house. But the first initial one when he's a kid in the house, I just feel like that was like a very uneventful missed opportunity, especially because like it's the first time we're seeing the mask in what, like 10 years. So I don't know. I feel like you wore other more other masks than actual the actual like Michael Myers mask. And I would have preferred if he just went. With his own, you know. I would have preferred if they saved that mask until that scene when he picked it up at the end, instead of showing it and killing all of his family with it in the beginning. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I wish that was more of like a discovery thing at the end, like the last act kind of thing. Well, they they should have saved it for that in my opinion. But well, with, with how hard Rob Zombie was going with the, the mask designs when, when, um, you know, 18 or uh, 21 year old uh, Michael Myers is in the, the sanitarium. How cool is that though? Yeah. They and, open up the cell and all the yeah. fucking mask. That's awesome. Yeah. That's an awesome that, shot. That kind of leads me to believe that Rob Zombie probably had more of that in the film. And I wonder, I, I don't want to speculate too much, but part of me wants to question whether or not that was a Weinstein move. We'll probably never know. We'll never know because he's yeah. going to die in jail. Um, but I, I think to a certain extent, like you, you kind of got to expect that when you're handed a property like this, you're going to have limited control, right? Yeah. It's not like Rob Zombie mm-hmm. created this. He exactly. didn't, like yeah. he, for Rob Zombie to feel const- like restrained in a lot of ways, I think I don't know. I feel like that's to be expected, and when I hear people they get handed properties like this and then they complain about it when they can't have full creative control it comes off as a little selfish to me and i understand that like there's certain things that you want in your film but they come to you with the confidence that you'll make something good for them right you're not making it for you Mm -hmm. um so like i understand both sides of it and I think that this movie does a good balance of still keeping things in line with what the suits want, but also letting Rob Zombie have a little bit control and get a little wacky. Like, there's no way that that kitchen scene in the beginning would fit in any other remake (laughs) other than Rob Zombie's remake, right? Like, this movie had a good balance, I think, of, of being like, Rob, all right, cut it back a little bit. And then, like, here's have your fucking. You want to you want a kitchen scene? Okay, <laughs> have your kitchen. crazy hell hellbilly fucking family in there, right? Like, I think it was a good mix. I think it was a balance mix. I think this film is a good balance. Uh, so Nick Nick Castle obviously made made a name for himself when he played the shape. Uh, he he brought that was the guy who did the in the original, right? Nick Castle, I think. I, I believe um, he uh, in one of the last episodes. Um, yeah, in one of the last episodes, I forget which one. Oh, in uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Ian, you were kind of talking about how uh, you didn't really feel emotion coming mm-hmm. from Leather Leatherface, and uh, in in the first Halloween, Nick Castle finds a way to emote um that emotions through the he kind of started the you know the killer staring at you and tilts its head a little bit um i i feel like he kind of coined that um conversely i think that tyler main is probably the best michael myers that there's ever been uh and i'm comfortable i'm comfortable saying that he brought so much anger and violence and hatred to this character and I think that makes it a lot scarier than Nick Castle tilting his head a little bit. Um, and I mean, it, it also helps that yeah, Tyler Maine, who I think he played Sabretooth in, X, in one of the X-Men movies. Um, in the bearded, in yeah. the original trilogy. Or the first dude, one, I guess. Dude is fucking yoked. He's like 6'8". He's gigantic. How do you guys mm. feel about his, his Michael Myers? Way scarier. But we do have context now with the entry of the prequel. Um, section 
So um, he's a complete psychopath, or we can tell like his all his kills are just going to be because he's psychotic, and he doesn't. He's there. There's there's no helping him. Like I feel like with the original Michael Michael Myers, there was just a mystery around him where maybe they could change his mind and he could stop killing or something. But like this guy, now we know he's not. There's there's no helping him. I feel like the original Michael Myers was almost like an apparition. He was a ghost. He was a shape, right? Like, I don't feel like there was any, like, convincing the old Michael Myers. He was just, like, nothing under the mask. He was he was a shape. This, he's a person, and he's a big fucking person. And I feel like I like this one a lot because there is a backstory, like Ian said, and it does kind of add personality to the character like you you know the reasons why he's fucked up you know the reasons why he's crazy um and you know what he's done where he came from and i like that context that they added on this version of halloween i like that there's he's more of a character and less of just um a symbol for the movie so there's some uh there's some pretty good kills in this film, I would say some pretty some pretty brutal kills. Uh, obviously, the the hospital scene is yeah. Um, obviously, the hospital scene is um, definitely the the standout. Do you guys have a, a before we get into final thoughts? Uh, do you guys have a favorite kill? Kyle, okay. I don't really have one. Honestly, I thought the kills were pretty weak in this movie. Actually, um, nothing stands out great. I feel like there's a lot of throwing people around, but not a lot of like, like there's a lot of wrestling going on, but not a lot of like kills. I mean, just the whole scene, the whole scene in the beginning where he kills his family, I think as a collective whole is really, you know, cool. Um, probably beating the, the boyfriend with the baseball bat, bloodied on the kitchen floor. That was that was pretty intense. And the more like explore with us I've watched, the more that I realized that like this shit is way more accurate. Like this version of mm-hmm. Halloween yes. is way more grounded and realistic. Like yeah. after watching the video of like the kid uh beating his mom over the head with an axe mm-hmm. and like all that like this shit fucking happens. Like this yeah. like this that's like a real scenario that would happen and it's just fucking wild. But um yeah, I would say just the whole kill montage in the beginning was cool. Um, there's not a lot of great kills, uh, mostly just violent brute force, um, compared to the original. I mean, when he's like picking someone up and stabbing them with a knife and just leaving them on the wall. Um, so overall, I don't know. It's, I can't say they're like boring kills, but they are just very violent. I wish there was a little more creativity, but as Kyle said, it, it is very just real they're just very real kills like normal my uh my favorite is the danny trejo one because i think it's the most emotionally involved kill mm-hmm. of the entire film yeah yeah it's fair right. uh but uh all right let's get into our final thoughts but before we do that we are going to take an official ruminations of red rum thick piss break please enjoy a word from our sponsors You've seen Twin Peaks all the way through, but all you have are spoiler-free discussions? At Blue Rose Task Force Podcast, no information is classified and nothing beats the listening sensation when production history collides with deep theory. Put the coffee on. And we are back. I hope you enjoyed uh, the word from those wonderful people. Uh, So, Kyle, we're going to start with you. Uh, Final thoughts and rating. I really enjoy this remake. I think that it carries the Halloween into the 2000s in a uh, a modern Rob Zombie way that's very appealing to me. Uh, we didn't talk about the shots, but I love how he kept a lot of the wide shots mm-hmm. with Rob's or with the uh, the shape in the background slowly creeping like he kept a lot of that alive and i like that stuff too 
Um, but no, I, I really like this film. It has a stacked cast. Um, kills are a little weak. Crude humor is a little weak. Don't like it. But just as a whole, I really think this movie's underrated. And I really think that it gets a lot of hate because it's Rob Zombie. And people really, really like to hate on Rob Zombie for some reason. Um, I'm going to give this movie a four stars and a heart. Oh, four and a heart. Ian? Um, I Unlike Kyle, I think the balance of uh, studio and Rob Zombie's control of this movie just makes it a weird combo. Um, I don't think it's as bad as people say it is. Um, I watched this movie when I was watching all of the rest of them, and I do like this franchise. Uh, I will give this a uh, three and a half no heart. Uh, I thought we were going to have another clean sweep this episode. Uh, I, I going to give it a fucking, oh, three and a half. Gotcha. You're yeah. going to give it a three and a half. Gotcha. No, I'm giving it a four. Oh, I'm giving it a four, baby. The, these two films are really, really fun. Uh, the, the second film takes a weird supernatural angle with the addition of Ghost Mommy. Um, I actually can't wait to watch that now because I saw that in theaters too and I remember yeah. that very little because I think I was mm -hmm. drunk when I saw it in theaters. But um, yeah, dude, I'm excited to watch it. And also the, the concept album that he put together for these two movies, uh, I, think it was, I think it's called Hellbilly Deluxe 2. I could be wrong. Um, but there's so many cool songs that are related to Michael Myers on Halloween and I would have been okay if he threw one of them in. Um, so like I said, I'm giving it a four and that brings it to, oh, and a heart as well. Uh, that gives it a four and a heart. Oh, Dude, three this, point, three point eight rounded up. This movie's way better than the Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake. I'm sorry. Oh yeah. Way better. Way better. Yeah. And also in a week's time, a week from today, I'll be seeing Rob Zombie live. So I'm pretty excited about that. Hell yes. Well, it is now time to get into the world's favorite podcast game what's in the box uh this is a game where uh we use an app called letterbox and it uh puts together an aggregate score uh from a zero to a five star rating uh and you can rate a movie and sheesh um <laughs> and uh yeah so my co-hosts uh i will read the description of a movie and my co-hosts will have to guess the title, not the title. They will have to guess the star rating within <laughs> <laughs> controlled chaos. Uh, my co-hosts will have to guess the star rating within point three. We will then go to the second round where, where they will have to guess the decade. If they get the decade correct, they will get to guess the year. For a total of three points, gentlemen, are you ready? See, whatever. All of these remakes are like hillbilly oriented films see whatever <laughs> nice um okay uh you know what i'm gonna skip that one because that has all the information in it um welcome to hell five carnival workers are kidnapped and held hostage in an abandoned hell-like compound where they are forced to participate in a violent game the goal of which is to survive 12 hours against a gang of sadistic clowns I do know this film. Kyle knows this film. None of you have rated it. I haven't. Um, I've never seen it. You've definitely seen it. No, I have not. No, seen no, it. I own it. it. I own it, but, but I've never seen it. You, we saw it together. Um, he thinks it's a different movie. Sorry, yeah. <laughs> I know what he's saying. He's saying it's haunt, but it's not. Go ahead. <laughs> Go ahead, Eden. Oh, Carnival Employees. Yeah, were they employees? I'm gonna go with two point nine. It's a good guess. I think it's two point seven. Ian two point nine. Kyle two point seven. Final answers. Yeah. Kyle gets a point. It is two point five. Guess the decade. Twenty ten. Twenty ten. Yeah, twenty ten. I was you letting both... you go first. You both get a point. Can anyone guess the year? 2018. 
2016. Damn, Kyle is fucking killing it this round. It is 2016's 31, written and directed (sighs) by Robert Zombie. These are all going to be Rob Zombie films. I love Rob Zombie. I love Rob Zombie. What can I say? Gotcha. Number two. We've been waiting. We've always been waiting. Heidi, a radio DJ, has sent a box containing a record, a quote, gift from the Lords. The sound within the the sound within the grooves trigger flashbacks of her own of her town's violent past. Is Heidi going mad, or are the Lords back to take revenge on Salem, Massachusetts? Fun fact Rob Zombie is from Massachusetts. 3.0. It's a good guess. I think this is uh, one of the more liked ones, Mm-mm. I guess you could say. I have not seen this one as well. I also own it. Uh, three point. It's got to be a 3.0 or 3.1-ish, so I'm going to say 3.1. You both get a point. It is 2.9. Wow, wow. Guess, down. guess the decade. Oh, it did go down, yeah. Ooh, I don't know the decade. Could be... I think I've, I've seen this movie in a blockbuster. I'm going to go 2000s. 2010s. Kyle, you get another point. Guess the year. I think this is before 31. No, I can't remember. I, I always get these two mixed up because these are like the only two I haven't seen. I think this is like 2010. I think or like 2011. I think it's earlier. Like I remember seeing this in a, in a blockbuster. 2012. Jesus Christ, man. Can, can we see your hands? Show us your hands. This is just, I'm trying to remember my life. <laughs> like, where was I at when these movies were coming out? That's what I'm thinking right now. I'm t- 2012, yeah. Um, Ian, you still, if you can get the next three correct, you can tie it up. And then Kyle get them all wrong. Yes. Um, cool. Number three, prepare for the strangest love story ever told. Lily is a typical 100 50-year-old lovelorn vampire who's looking for the man of her nightmares until she lays her eyes on Herman, a seven-foot-tall green experiment with a heart of gold. It's love at first shock as these two ghouls fall fangs over feet for each other in a Transylvanian romance. Unfortunately, it's not all smooth sailing in the cemetery as Lily's father has other plans for his beloved daughter's future, and they don't involve her new bumbling beau. Sounds terrible. 2.5. I was going to say 2.6. Ian with 2.5. Kyle with 2.6. Ian running away with two whole points. It is Man, 2. It doesn't matter though. Point f- no. Oh. It does if if you get these next two correct. Uh guess the year. 2022. 2000 was it this year or last year? It's all blends together i want to say 2022 yeah damn you both get it it is 2022's the monsters written and directed by robert t zombie uh so that means kyle kyle you get it i don't know what the total scores are um but down on me um the total scores sorry i should have had that prepared uh the total scores scores are now kyle seven brandon 11 ian nine i got that second jar still ready um anyways this has been another episode of ruminations of red rum the shape of the ruminations radio network uh if you like what we're doing here make sure to um uh, uh check us out on whatever app you like to listen to podcasts on give us a rating we are literally everywhere we're like gonorrhea um we're not going away anytime soon unless you have antibiotics um also uh follow us on twitter uh that's of red rum of red rum and you know what that of stands for um and also join our discord we have fun chats over there it's a fun little community we got some nice some nice people over there and also ian's there um <laughs> uh but 
That being said, with us, as always, he's scary. He's spooky. He's full of cobwebs. Oh, man, I thought you were going to yeah. say full of cum. For some oh, oh, no, that would have been good. Young, dumb, and full of cum, full of spiders, cobwebs, and cum. Uh, it's Ian with two E's. Michael Myers will graze this podcast again. Please give us a rating on iTunes and Spotify so we can become Rotten Tomatoes yes. certified because apparently that's really important to people that matter in stuff stay spooky people and that was also kyle <laughs> uh bye hail ratma